Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Detox Podcast. I am Denise Walker, your host. If you're new here, welcome. Detox Podcast is a deep dive into my poetry collections, Pick Your Poison on Addiction and Recovery. Every episode, I dissect one of my poems. I go into it to describe my emotions, my experiences, and I present it to you in this way in order to create a place of solace, understanding, and relatability. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, this episode is called Adopted, and I'm going to be sharing quite an intimate personal story about how I was adopted and everything that kind of followed after that. It's a huge part of who I am, and I think it's important for me to share because it is a big piece of my puzzle. And I don't share this um, to cast blame, point fingers, or... Yeah, I, I, I have a lot of love for my birth family, and I don't hold any hate towards them. This is just a recount of things from my perspective, how it affected me, and my story. So here is the poem, Adopted. My DNA was born from you, yet so were my demons. My existence does not owe you the same way that your existence does not own you. Try to understand. Thought, thought a lot of things. And I'd hope you stop trying the same way I hoped a lot of things. Your hands are in everything, in me. Isn't that enough? Your being makes my atoms split. Your words have the power to blow me apart, rearrange me, and they do. I want myself back. Yeah, not uh, the happiest poem, but it's not really the happiest tale from my side. So, um, I was adopted when I was two days old, and my adoptive parents couldn't have children of their own. They tried for many, many years. Ends up that my uh, dad is in fertile. So it just didn't work for them. So they finally were able to adopt me, and then they adopted my sister a few years later. And I always knew my birth mom growing up from very, very, very early. Like from from the get-go, it was an open adoption, which means that we had contact. Excuse me. And In some ways, I think this was a mistake because as a child, you don't understand boundaries. I found that this person, my biological mother, was just in my life and I didn't really understand like how much that, like what that really meant because she wasn't my mother and, but yet she was still there and she didn't live in the same city as me she lived in another province over 
And so like sometimes in the summertime we would go camping and near her and like visit her and sometimes she would come to Edmonton and visit and and she had three children after me who were younger. So I have three half siblings on her side. I didn't know my biological father. I knew his name. I sort of knew where he lived and that was pretty much it. Uh, my birth mom, uh, as far as I know the story that I was given by my parents was that she was, you know, too young, wasn't able to uh, financially raise me and so wanted to give me a better life. And she did. I have had a wonderful life with my parents and my family. I'm very grateful for that. And I know that wasn't an easy choice. I can't be an easy choice for anyone, I suspect. And so my whole life, I've sort of carried this guilt that has kind of been staring me in the face in the form of my biological mother. This guilt of a child removed. And I felt from very, very early on that it was kind of my responsibility to assuage that guilt in her and carry it for her. And the main way of soothing this guilt was to remain in contact and foster a relationship that she gave up. And we were in contact until I was about 12 years old. And then there was a period of time of like five or seven years where we didn't talk, we didn't interact, didn't exchange gifts at Christmas like we used to. And I was a teenager and I began kind of on my this is when things started to come up for me, like self-harm. And <clears throat> I should have caution warn warning this whole episode, to be honest. I'm going to do that right now. Uh, like, I'm just going to content warning this. There's going to be mention of self-harm. There's going to be mention of, um, I don't know, <laughs> intergenerational trauma. Just like everything that goes along with with adoptive families and, and birth families. I don't even know what to even call that as a caution, <laughs> but yeah. So when I was 18, I went to Vancouver with a friend and thought, and, and she kind of got wind that I was going there. She saw it on social media and was like, oh, I would love to come meet you. And I was like, oh yeah, let's do that. And she was going to bring her other kids and she was going to bring her new fiance and his kids. And so she did, except for my half brother, who is the oldest of those siblings. Uh, he's like, just like a year or two younger than me. He didn't come. And I thought this was really strange. Apparently they had some sort of fight and he stayed behind. And so we had like a, a good time. I really enjoyed being with them and hanging out with them 
no problems. Um, and then a few months later was my birthday and my half brother phones me and wishes me a happy birthday. And that was the first time I really ever heard his semi-adult voice. And we began cultivating a really intimate, fast relationship. We talked all the time, texted all the time, talked on the phone, talked on um, like video chat of some sort. I don't know what it was back then. It might have still been like MS, no, was it MSN? I don't think so, I don't know. But it was some sort of video chat, Skype, I think it was Skype. Um, and he really latched on to me. And I started confiding in him about things um, like my self-harm. And I confided in him about being slut-shamed at school and just like things that really, you know, were very sensitive to me and really hurt me. And I felt safe with him. And I wanted this like really intimate relationship with him. And it turned dark quite quick. Um, anytime that I like didn't text him back for a little while or decided to hang out with my friends instead of like video calling him, he would start lashing out at me. He would start taking these things that I had confided in him about and using them against me in really awful, awful ways. And it was very hurtful. And then the next day he would sort of like love bomb me and say like, I'm so sorry, like I love you, I would never want to do anything to hurt me, please hurt you, please forgive me, please forgive me, please forgive me, and so I would. Because he was my blood and I never had a brother before and suddenly I did and I wanted to be the big sister, I wanted to help him. And he started to describe to me these horrific things that were sort of happening at home. He started painting my birth mom in a really negative light and I didn't, I couldn't reconcile that. I didn't want to hear it. And he, he would say that like her new fiance was really abusive and it started escalating. And one night they got into it and apparently he choked my half brother and my half brother left slash was kicked out of the home and he went to go live with a friend and suddenly I I took on the role of female figure caregiver via text and phone I wasn't actually physically present but I I think our relationship filled a void and he formed a very uh, anxious attachment style to me. Anytime I didn't respond, I was attacked and then love bombed. I started to become extremely compassion fatigued. If I didn't respond, he would get like his friends to text me to see if I would respond, to see if I was ignoring him specifically, but texting other people. Um, It just kept going on and on like that until one night 
it was like three o'clock in the morning and I stopped texting him because I fell asleep. And in the morning, he told me that he had tried to overdose on Tylenol 3s because I had abandoned him. And that was it for me. I couldn't do it anymore. I said, I'm done. I, I cannot be in a relationship with someone who manipulates me with suicide. I cannot continue to be attacked by you until you, and, and then this, this like severe yo-yo thing. I can't do it. I can't be this person for you. Please seek professional help and maybe in the future, if you, if you find some help, maybe we can have a relationship. And I felt extremely, extremely guilty about this. I felt like I had abandoned him. I felt like the person who gave me up for a better life, kept him and hurt him. And I don't know if any of what he said was true. I don't, I have no idea. He said that my birth mom went off to go do drugs for days at a time and disappear and live in drug houses. And I don't know if that's true. I know that there is a history of alcohol use disorder with her, but I don't know the extent of anything else. She and she ended the relationship with this fiance at some point. They never, as far as I could tell, they never got married. Um, but I had sort of stopped talking to her along the way too because I just couldn't um it was too confusing and so my half-brother would start emailing me to try to get a rise out of me messaging me I had to block his phone number because he would like message me all the time saying really really awful things he would say like oh you don't have any time for your brother what are you doing uh cutting yourself and just like using all these things against me, you know, like I like taking the stuff that I used as like it gave him in confidence as weapons against me because he knew that it would be just the right way to cut me. Pun intended. And I let him keep emailing me because I wanted to keep some sort of like tabs on him to see like to make sure he was okay, you know? I don't know. Um, and at one point in time, I just felt so guilty that I did let him back in because he promised that he had changed. And within three days, he was back to the same behavior. And I was out and that's the last time I ever spoke to him. This is an example of no boundaries on my part. I was never taught boundaries. From an early age of having this woman in my life who was my biological mother and I had no choice whether or not she was in my life or not, she just was, 
I was never taught that I could say no to a relationship with her. And subsequently, a relationship with all the other people in the mix. A few years later, I start talking to my birth mom again. Things are things are good. And she tells me, hey, if you're ever looking for your biological father, here's his profile on Facebook. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> um, okay. I remember where I even, like, I remember where I was. I was sitting in my partner's family's living room on their couch when I get this message and I look and like he has like a profile picture of like a Canadian flag and like that's it and you know how on Facebook you have like those hidden messages if you're like not friends with somebody but they try to message you I looked and it turns out that like two years prior he had actually reached out to me being like hey this is kind of awkward long story short I'm your dad and so um I went to work that night it was a night shift and so I messaged him and I was like, hey, I'm so sorry that this message didn't get to me, but hi. And we started talking all night. And we talked every day, phone calls, Facebook, text, every day. Again, this intimate, fast relationship. And turns out he has a wife he married his high school sweetheart. They have four boys. So I had four more half brothers out there. <sighs> he starts to tell me about how he found out I was being put up for adoption. He and my birth mom had met uh, in his home province and had moved to Alberta. And, because that's where she's from. And he found out they stopped sort of like talking as much and she was being very elusive. And eventually he found out she was pregnant. And he moved back to his home to work to get money in order to raise me. And this is this is a story that he told me. So I honestly don't even know if this is true. So in from his side, he was out there working hard, getting money to raise me, and he gets a phone call from the adoption agency saying, we need to know your medical history because your uh, baby Denise has been adopted by the Walker family, and we need to know. And that's how he found out that he was not going to be my dad. And that felt like a fucking knife in my gut. And now I had stacks and stacks and stacks of guilt and felt again completely obligated to assuage the guilt of my biological father and create this relationship he never got to have with the daughter he never got to have. He told me that he still has nightmares to that day that of me, of babies being stolen from his arms in the middle of the night.
his wife was skeptical. She was a lab tech and uh, felt like our blood types didn't match up properly. And so she wanted him to get a paternity test. They paid for it. And we did the test and he is my biological father. And then they flew out to hang out with me and I thought it was going to be fine. I thought it was going to be cool. I was still heavily addicted to alcohol at the time. We bonded over that because he seemed like he drank, drank just as much as I did. When he came to visit, I still lived with my friend and I basically had like a week long panic attack. It was a very awful week for me. I was so overwhelmed. And it was like a sensation I'd never felt before. I don't even know how to describe it. Him being in my presence. It was like his DNA and my DNA. I know this is not scientifically real, but like just like being together was just like way too much. It was like circuit overload. I don't know. And I just got like super panicked and I was drinking a lot. I took it out of my, on my friends. It was awful. And oh my God, I couldn't handle it. I could not handle it. And when he left, I drove him to the airport. I was so fucking hungover. And I drove him to the airport. He hugged me for so long and that was the last moment we saw each other, talked to each other, or had any sort of interaction because I, from that moment on, could not bring myself to even respond to a single text message from him. It was like complete system shut down for me. And during that time when I was being introduced to him, my birth mom, I don't know if she started to get jealous or something of the attention that I was giving him, but suddenly we were in a group chat together and they would just start like pitting each other against each other, recalling shit that went down like 24 years ago when like before I was born about shit that like how he wanted all he did it was drop acid on the weekends like so okay you're fucking 18 years old and you're dropping acid on the weekends who cares at what point in time i just i just told them if you i told and specifically her because she was the one who was kind of doing a lot of the um aggressive blame placing i just told her if you if you keep doing this, I will not be able to have a relationship with you. She was being so immature and trying to like get me to hate him even though she introduced me to him. Even though he's my biological father. And she just wouldn't stop. Even though I said, I will have to cut you out if you don't stop, she did not stop. And so I did. I cut her out. And I've tried, and then even though I block all of these people, I've blocked everyone. I had to get my 
my friend to block people on on Facebook because I couldn't even bring myself to do that like I don't know if you've ever experienced something like that where like people just like like in the poem like you make my atoms split like it's something to the core of me that just like breaks I it's I don't even know what to say um and I had to get people to go in and block them for me on my account because I couldn't bring myself to do it. But then they would start doing things like my biological father's wife would send me a message being like, why won't you talk to us? My son wants to know if it's something he did. Are you fucking kidding me? You're using your son as a chip in this game? Nah, fuck no. I'm not talking to you because of that. There's a lot of manipulation, a lot of emotional manipulation that has gone on. And I can see it very clearly. And it's awful because I'm the child. I am the child in this who was given up for adoption to have a better life. And in so many ways they have tried to pull me back and I I get it and that's what sucks is because I have so much compassion for the hurt that this must have caused you but it is not my fault anytime I would receive a message because I tried to block everybody but somehow some messages would still get through asking me how I am, wishing me happy new year, wishing me happy Easter, wishing me happy birthday. It was like I was being pushed off a fucking cliff. That's the sensation. It was like free falling without any sort of It's just free falling. And it was so infuriating that a fucking text message could do that to me. Therapy has helped a lot. I feel very free of this. And throughout the pandemic, when it first started, I got a text message from my biological father saying, I know you don't want to talk, but I just hope that you're okay and I'm thinking of you. And it didn't make me feel like falling off a cliff. So that's huge for me. It's a sign that I have definitely done some healing around this and some detachment from feeling so close to it. And like a few years ago, maybe even just last, maybe 2019, my birth mom had reached out to my mom and was like, hey, I'm coming to Edmonton. I'd love to see you. And my mom had messaged me while well, she thought she was messaging me saying like, oh, like she says that she's coming in and, you know, I don't really have like the emotional energy to see her. And like, I just don't. Um, I feel like I want to say no, but I feel like I have to say yes. But unfortunately, she sent that to her, my biological mom, instead by accident. 
And we all do that, right? We've all sent the message, the worst message to the wrong person. So the response was really awesome. <laughs> it was super hostile, super mean. And it was, I wish I had never chosen you to adopt Denise. Are you fucking kidding me? You do not say that to my mother. You wish you hadn't chosen her to adopt me because she just doesn't want to see you now? Uh-uh. I don't think I'll ever be able to have a relationship with any of these people. I have a relationship with some of my, like one of my half sisters, like a really, just like an amicable relationship. We talk maybe like once a year. Um, but the thing is, is like, just because we're blood does not make us family. And I was confused about that for a long time. Just because we're blood does not make us family. And it was really messy. And there were no boundaries, but now there are boundaries. Super, super hard boundaries. It's a complete no-go on my part. Because I can't. I just fucking can't. And it's not my responsibility to save them from their grief or their guilt. There were a lot of other things that happened along the way. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to that. If you have similar stories, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's, it's messy. And sometimes one family, like my adoptive family, is far from enough. There is no void to be filled. I am already whole. I know that was a pretty emotional episode. So thank you for allowing me the space to let that all out in like a cohesive way. I haven't talked about that in a really long time, except for in therapy. And even then it's been over a year, really. And yeah, thank you. Here is the poem, Adopted. My DNA was born from you, yet so were my demons. My existence does not owe you, the same way that your existence does not own you. Try to understand. I thought, I thought a lot of things, and I'd hope you'd stop trying, the same way I hoped a lot of things. Your hands are in everything, in me, isn't that enough? 
Your being makes my atoms split. Your words have the power to blow me apart. They rearrange me. They do. I want myself back. Thank you again, my dear listeners. I do have two poetry workshops coming up. Not poetry, sorry, tarot. Tarot workshops coming up, level one and level two. Level one is on May 22nd at 1 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time. And the level two, which is all about uh, learning how to read the cards together, um, creating your own tarot spreads, getting really creative with it. It's going to be awesome. That's on uh, May 30th at 1 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time as well. Both are virtual, so you can join from anywhere in the world. I've got sliding scale prices. Head to my website or head to uh, cityunsold.ca to sign up. I really hope to see you there, and I'll see you next week.